It's Coffee with Christy. And Tim. Here we go. Who's going first, Tim? Because I got a, I got a doozy. I appear <laughs> to think that you have a lot you want to say about this topic. I do. So I'm going to pull back for just a moment, which as most people who know me will say, what, really? But... Go ahead, Christy. Listen, begin. I'm actually surprised that I got to the point where I got to in my educational career based off the first year. So when I started teaching, I'd only been out of college for a short while. I think I was working at Pier 1 and as a substitute teacher. I love Pier 1. I got a great discount. And this and was 1999. This is 1999. Just so people have contextual reference. I was hired post-school year beginning because the grade level was so large, they had an overflow. Oh, right? wow. Okay. So there were, there were seven, uh, there were six um, sections of the second grade, and they had their classes were just busting at the seams. So come, you know, September-ish, they were like, uh-oh, we got too many kids, we need another teacher. Well, here I come, excited, happy, ready to change the world. Well, back then, they did not have a cut-and-dry system of how the teachers chose the children that I would receive. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> so you got the unique children. I did. Uh-huh. Academically and behaviorally unique. 20 of them. <laughs> and what grade was this again? Second. Second grade, okay. First year of teaching. So I was a little disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's the word you really want to use, but thank you. After about the third or fourth month of being in this class of unique children. And you know, the funny thing was, I just, I did grow to love every one of them because they were just beautiful kids, but I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared <laughs> to have students that were both academically and behaviorally challenged. And you know, I, I think some of the teachers really f took pity on me and they threw in kind of like a, a real high level kid there, you know, maybe a couple of them to mm -hmm. sort of up the curve of my room. And I also had no money. There was no budget left. So people were just giving me donations from like, <laughs> like this bulletin board was half pencils and the other half was this because I didn't have money to purchase anything <laughs> new. So I, you know, the old, yeah. the old uh, border, oh, none I of totally it matched, you know, uh -huh. I was piecemealing it all. So it was, it was a rough year. And uh, that all came to fruition when I had, you know, multiple parents complaining, the, the things that were going out to parents they weren't happy about. It was just sort of a mess. And, and my assistant principal at the time, we had several meetings, and he'd had enough parent complaints about my um, teaching strategies. <laughs> um, that, or lack thereof. Or lack thereof, <laughs> that he did call me in and say, you know, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And, uh, you know, like I said, I was confused. I had no idea what that meant. Am I the baby? Am I the bathwater? I don't know. Am I going to get fired my first year of teaching? But then luckily I was able to sort of really get in there and pull, pull myself up by my bootstraps and, and, and was never happier than when the end of that year came. Um, love the kids, went on and, you know, learned. But that was a, a very, very – I almost thought about quitting. Well, I almost thought about quitting. And I think that's probably something that – the situation might be different and the experience would be different, but I find it hard to believe that there's very few people in their first year of teacher who at some point in time don't think about quitting. Oh, yeah. It's just such an overwhelming thing. Talk a little bit about, so how did you deal with that sense of being overwhelmed? Cried. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I just, I, well, I was, I was under the wrong impression because I thought this is what teaching was. And obviously that changed for me mm -hmm. the next year and the next year and the next year when things sort of fell into place and I had my summer to prepare because I was kind of thrown in there at the last minute. You know, so I didn't get the summer. I didn't get, you know, I was in a classroom that was no windows, no anything. That's the classroom I received. 
it was a darkened classroom. Mm-hmm. There was no light coming in. So that didn't help. <laughs> Sensory deprived. <laughs> right. Um, but I, you know, I, 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 I leaned on my, my colleagues and I kind of joke around about the donations and the kids, but they truly were a great group of ladies and they did help me um, through that. And I'm actually still friends with a couple of them today. But it was a difficult, difficult year. Um, but I had to decide, is this really what I want to do? And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I know I talk a lot about relationships. I think that the relationship that I had with the students mm-hmm. um, really, really helped me because I actually got married that year as well. And so um, they were sort of a part of that. Uh-huh. And uh, it was great. It was great. I mean, it was a hard year, and I wouldn't want to relive it or wish that on any first-year teacher. But, you know, it probably made me a better teacher the next year. Yeah, and there's certain things you just don't know until you you, you start teaching. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, yeah. you, there's just just no way. And I that I think that's an important thing for everybody to realize when they go into the, well, into any job, but certainly in the world of teaching, the dynamic of dealing with this group of, at an elementary level, my 15 to 25 kids a day, and at a high school or secondary level, the fact you're going to see 100 to 150 kids a mm-hmm. day, you just can't know what that's going to be like until you start to live it. And so you really have to... Just monitor and be aware of that. I think that was a – one of the interesting things I found about adjusting was maybe this is just the nature of me. I was always very much a self-confident person. Mm-hmm. Never really had difficulty with being self-confident. I was a person who could talk really well. My parents tell, you know, at, at age Tim, t- at age three, Tim's walking down the sidewalk singing songs and talking to strangers, you know, and all that kind of stuff. No worries about that and putting myself out in front of people and that kind of thing. But I think one of the interesting things was it was probably one of the very first times in my life where I truly questioned mm-hmm. myself in terms of like, am I ready for this? Am I capable of this? And it wasn't like, and because obviously from the external point of view, everybody would have still seen me in my first year of teaching as extremely confident and very articulate. And I'm here to do it. And I'm going to be really well organized. Luckily, I was blessed with organizational skills or taught by mom and dad and all sorts of wonderful people about organizational skills. But I did question if this was the right thing for me and am I doing it the right way? And oh my gosh, I can't believe that, you know, Hector is still being Hector or whatever the case may be. Um, did you did you go into your first year of teaching as a traditional teaching student? Like, so you went to, did the, did the college thing and then oh, went yeah. right into teaching? Correct. So like I did my, I did, I had the best student teaching experience. And of course, when I went through college and, and, and began teaching, which was the fall of 1979, you didn't do internships. You know, more and more stuff's being done now that I'm really, really pleased with in college education programs where kids, where future teachers are getting into the classroom well before their student teaching experience. They have the opportunity to intern. They have the opportunity to observe. They have the opportunity to do things when they're just beginning the teacher program. That needs to happen as a freshman in college, sophomore, junior, et cetera. Um, I didn't see a classroom, really, until I, as a teacher, until I did mm-hmm. my student teaching experience. But I was blessed with a, a phenomenal student teacher who I'd known who had been a graduate assistant in my, in my college theater program. Um, and I, I deliberately student taught in the fall because I wanted to see what the beginning of a school year was mm-hmm. like. And I remember thinking that through. I could have student taught any time during the course of that 78, 79 school year, college school year that I wanted, but I deliberately chose to teach in the fall because I wanted to begin where, when the school year began to get a sense of the start of the school year teacher meetings and all that kind of good stuff. Um, 
And I think that was really beneficial for me in terms of planning then when I did eventually get the first teaching job and I began then teaching the next fall about being ready to go and how to plan and to live through that. And then my first year of teaching was the first year, of course, they offered certain courses and who was going to teach those mm-hmm. courses for, was me. And, and in some ways, that was probably beneficial because even though I had to come up with everything and what the course was going to be, at least I wasn't being compared by these other teachers to someone who had taught the course previously. And I think that's an important thing, not just for first-year teachers to understand, but for the people who are mentoring them and working Mm -hmm. with them in the building to understand. That is, this person's going to bring themselves to the nature of what is this this world of education. And you can't be doing that kind of comparison like, well, this is the way Ms. Right. Jones taught it or this right. is the way Mr. Mr. Smith taught it. That can be really damaging. Yeah. And I don't and I I really encourage first year teachers to have somebody they can reach out to and have good conversations with, hopefully in a way and that school districts should be trying to create systems which really encourage teachers to have mentors in the building that are totally evaluation free, that are totally just on the basis of, mm-hmm. I need somebody to talk to that the principal's never going to hear what my problem is or the department right. chair is never going to hear what my problem mm-hmm. is. I can just do that invent and define the support systems that you need because you can't have that too much. You can't have that too much in year 25 oh, no. of teaching, let alone no. year one. But the, the, the first year of teaching was town of Clinton, nice small town. Um, I, I was teaching, interesting enough, I, I had majored in speech, theater, and social studies, and I didn't teach any one of those classes <laughs> that I first year teaching. <laughs> but as a person who was um, certified in speech theater, I'd also gotten certified in language arts at the mm-hmm. same time. And my first year of teaching was entirely in language arts classes. Um, like high school electives of different types of literature, which was great. I love literature, yeah. but it wasn't what I was designed, mm-hmm. to, was really thinking about doing or whatever in the same world of social studies. So that was a unique part of my first year too. But it also helped me see, um, as I look back on it now, that, wow, there are, you know, you need to make sure you get new information and see, think about different ways to teach certain things. But at mm-hmm. the time it was like, it's just an, it's just, there's so much overwhelming stuff that you just can't know about until you've lived right. it. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, the fact that you're still grading papers at 10.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. and you still have to get up, the alarm going to go off at 5.30 a.m. because you've got to be to school by X amount of time to do some work with kids. I mean, the, the amount of overwhelming stuff, you, golly, think about how you can organize for yourself to and think about how you can take care of yourself and who are the people in your life who can help you take mm-hmm. care of yourself because that was hard. That was hard. And I do remember, I remember crying my first year of teaching. I remember crying other years of teaching too, but I certainly cried my first year of teaching. I was certainly lost my first year mm-hmm. of teaching. I sure didn't understand what I was doing sometimes my first year of teaching. I'm sure I angered students and parents in ways I never even knew, maybe, mm-hmm. and disappointed them in ways I never even knew because... Um, they didn't bother to tell me or whatever. But, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Did you always want to be a teacher? No. What did you want to be? I went through a lot of life cycles mm-hmm. of what I wanted to be. There's a time period in my life where, obviously, I wanted to be an architect, interestingly enough. Oh. Uh, there's a time period in life where I wanted to be a meteorologist. I love the weather. I could <laughs> so see that. I love the I weather. Could, I could see you standing at the green screen doing the clouds. And I did and think about yeah. wanting to be a TV meteorologist. Um I did that, and I love the weather and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Meteorology is still a hobby of mine. I think that's fascinating. And then, yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, that, that explains it. Oh, all of the educate.today uh, uh, weather-related. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, it's all coming together but now. But, you know, 
I mean, you're the producer yeah, of the program yeah. and you get to pick that's your awesome. subject matter. And so th that's always a nice thing. And then for a while, obviously for a while, I toyed with the idea of, did I want to go into acting, um, which I, I really kind of tossed out very quickly. But that was always a thought. For a while, I thought I might want to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist. That's what I wanted to be. It's, that's interesting. It is. I, I actually went to school to be that. Uh -huh. I changed my major towards the end when I uh, wanted to be a psychologist. I wanted to help people. I wanted to, you know, kind of do some sort of service where I was helping mm -hmm. others work through their issues. Um, and then well, I got started, to do that as a teacher. I did. And then I started subbing. And it all changed when I started subbing. I was I was working in these same schools in, in a small town, and I just loved being there. I didn't want to not be there, and I'd have, like, a day off, and I'd drive by the school and see the kids playing, and it just was like, this is it. I have to do this. Mm -hmm. like, I can't be away from this environment. So I changed my major, and that was the end of that. My, I think mine was more of the fact that I would gravitated to subject matter I was fascinated by and I wanted to study. Yeah. And that was really important to me. I was I began to realize when I started my freshman year of college that studying psychiatry and studying psychology wasn't going to be interesting to me. But history and culture and those kinds of things was going to interest me. And of course there's my love, my personal love of speech and theater. That was going to interest me. So then the question became, what can I do in those fields? And so, could I become an historian? Yes. Could I become someone who, you know, does does work uh, teaching or does work performing or whatever? And then eventually that blended to what makes the most sense is for me as a teacher. Because what I really got into and found myself good at was how do I take information that I've learned and help other people understand it? Mm -hmm. And that was – and I – I think I was really benefited from some wonderful professors I had in college who helped me realize that I had a natural inclination for being able to do that, both comfortably for myself and well for other people, to take information that I had learned and then express it in a way, that understanding in a way that was compelling and understandable to other people. And maybe that's because of my whatever natural skill or gift, if you want to say, I had for performing and speaking and all that kind of stuff. But putting it together really helped. And I had some really good professors my freshman and sophomore year of college in areas that really were important to me, the subject matter, that helped me realize I had that, I had that strength. Mm -hmm. And should I consider doing that? And there were ways to do it. And so eventually, I just kept moving that direction. And it always, interestingly enough, even though it wasn't my first thought, once I went there, it was always a natural fit. I was, even though the first year had its challenges, I never seriously considered not teaching. Mm -hmm. And I never seriously considered through my course of teaching ever not teaching. Like I, I never started a school year or ended a school year thinking, well, maybe I want to get another job or maybe I want to do something different. I was, I was a teacher. And the interesting thing is that somehow that came to me. I don't yeah. know. That for whatever, the world worked right for me. Mm -hmm. And somehow I was lucky enough to find the profession that fit me naturally, and that I could be fairly good at um, at most periods of time, he said, hopefully, and be beneficial to other people with. That I got really lucky in that regard. But mm -hmm. I, would, I never felt any desire to leave the teaching field until it became, should I be thinking about retirement now yeah. and what do I want to do? It was do? a natural And end. heck, I'm still teaching. What are you we are. doing with Educate.today? We're just teaching teach, in a different teach, way. Teach, teach, And so that's just kind of, it, I real, feel really blessed that I, I, that was true for my life. First year memories. Love them. Like the corners of your mind, misty watercolored memories. I won't sing of the way we were.